welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is November 11th, and unfortunately, it is our first sad episode of the season. My name is Chris, joined as always by my co-host Pat. We have a special edition of this episode for you. Uh, we figured it'd be a good time for a little bit of group therapy. Uh, a little bit of, you know, commiserate together, get our emotions out, get ready, move on, put this behind us. So we got some special guests on the show today. You've heard me mention them before. Friends of the program. We've got Alex. We've got Brandon. we got Tony. Gentlemen, how you feeling? Welcome to the show. Oh, about time. It's, it's about time. We've been talking about doing this for quite a while. Um, it's hard. We have five people on this episode, so it's going to be a little different. Normally you hear just me and Pat going back and forth. Um, but we're going to do a little something. I guess we'll kind of like go like around the horn. Um, which is a term I just came up with myself uh, right now, has nothing to do with an ESPN show of the same name, completely original thought, um, but I'll try to do my, my best hosting duty and kick it around. So, Pat, let's start with you. General thoughts, 60 seconds or less, how are you feeling? How'd you feel in the moment? How are you feeling now? Where Where's your head at? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty devastated, uh, not only because th- this is a loss we shouldn't have had. Uh, I still believe Penn State is a better team than Minnesota, I think if we play that game 10 times, even in Minnesota, Penn State wins at like seven. Uh, and you just, you know, there were, there were some tough spots with some calls that didn't go away, but the, at the end of the day, just didn't do what we needed to do to pull it out of victory there. Yeah, well said. Tony, how you feeling? Tony's eating mozzarella sticks right now. He can't even hear. Um, you said Tony, right? Yeah, I said Tony. Come on, man. <laughs> this is your first show? Um, oh, shoot. Dude, sorry, my, my internet is like being weird. Um, I think it, it hurt. It hurt, but I guess I guess my thing, why it hurt is I kind of expect every single year that we are going to get at least one heartbreaking loss. Like I'm, I'm just, I mentally prepare for it every single year. There's going to be the one game that we lose that's either Michigan or Ohio State. And then there's always that one extra one that is just rip your heart out. Why? drink your sorrows away at the bar. I thought, though, it was going to be last week against Michigan State. I thought we were going to beat Michigan, then we are going to go and lose to Michigan State, and I was mentally prepared to lose that game. So when we win that game, now I'm thinking, oh, the, only, the next possible loss is going to be Ohio State. That's it. And then we lost to Minnesota. And we didn't just lose to Minnesota – we lost the game like in the first half and then second half came and it was just like, Oh, we got this. No, no issue. And then we relocked the game. I've never been in a game where we lost twice. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly what happened in that Minnesota game. Yeah. Every single after that, I'll get, I'll get more to that later, but yep. Yes. Yep. That's Good my intro. Brandon, you're up next. How you feeling, man? It hurts. Uh, it really hurts. Uh, we our offense played the same way it's played for like the last three games, and yet it still hurts. I still expected more, and it still hurts. I just uh, we got beat. <laughs> we got we got beat watching them throw all over the field in our secondary. I thought we were elite. <laughs> I, I told know. I told Tony our secondary was bad. He wouldn't listen to me. I don't know if we were at elite level yet. Whoa. I don't know if we we're at elite. All right, oh, no. <laughs> for for. For any of our listeners out there, Brandon and Tony, that is going to be a battle going back all episode. Alex, wrap us up, though. Alex, before we get there, Alex, wrap us up. How are you feeling? Um, 
Honestly, I'm not as much the sky is falling as probably these rest of these guys. I mean, for me, when the our initial rankings came out and we were ranked number fourth, my focus at the end of the year was getting into the college football playoff. It'd be great to get into the Rose Bowl, and I think that hurts our chances, you know, this loss. But all in all, it's always been about Ohio State. If we beat Ohio State, we beat Indiana, we beat Rutgers, then we have a chance to avenge the loss against Minnesota in the Big Ten championship game. So we would have beaten every team on our schedule. We finished as the Big Ten champion at 12-1. and one. I still don't see any way they leave us out of the playoffs. So in my mind, yeah, it sucks. But right now, our only loss is to an undefeated top 10 ranked team. So it's all, it's all been about Ohio State. Like I said, I mean, I think the biggest thing is how we lost. I mean, I, I, think, I just think that after seeing the way we played against Minnesota, I don't see us going to Columbus and winning that game. But if we can somehow find a way to win that game, the Minnesota loss really does not look that bad. It's not like we lost to some awful team. So yeah. All in all, this guy's not falling. I love the optimism. That's a, that's a welcome change of pace. Uh, I kind of feel the same way. I was, uh, I was devastated day of uh, for yeah, our followers obviously. out there. Watched my video. I, was, I looked like a sad puppy. Um, asked people for good vibes on Twitter. That was probably my best tweet ever. Got like 35 replies of people just sending nice things. So thank you to those people. That was great. Um, but now, yeah, I'm at the point where I've, I've talked myself into a scenario and where this still works out well. And it's exactly what you just described. I'm the classic Michael Scott meme right now. I'm ready to get hurt again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot to get into. So every show we start off with quick hitters, things around the Penn State world, quick topics. So not a ton uh, this week, but Pat, you and I were just talking before this started. Um, you want to give a shout out to a couple of our teams that had some uh, success outside of Penn State football. Yeah, Penn State women's soccer, bringing home the Big Ten championship over Michigan. Oh, wow. I'd like to see it. 2-1 overtime win. Love it. And then uh, Penn State Wrestling opens up the season with a dominant 45 to nothing shutout of Navy. Uh, if you guys want, at the end of the episode, I can run down each, you know, just a quick of each match, but I'll save that if we want it for the end. Yeah, see, you're learning. Normally I have to normally I have to hold the wrestling till the end. You got it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so there is positivity in the Penn State world, but other than that, let's get let's get right into the, the, the bulk of the episode. So every episode we start off with a Big Ten baller and a Big Ten bozo of the week. This is for teams around the league uh, looking at looking at our other past opponents, future opponents, or anyone who really stood out. So um, let's start with a Big Ten baller. Let's go that same order, Pat. Start it off. Um, I mean, I know... Technically, we're supposed to go outside of the game, but I got to give it to Tanner Morgan. Damn, uh, the kid was just—I mean, I think our secondary played bad, but he looked great. He had—I mean, he had two incompletions. You know, and for <laughs> yeah. three hundred and forty yards and three touchdowns. I mean, I don't care how bad of a secondary you're playing; that's about as good of a fucking game as I've ever watched. It's baller status. What was that, Tony? He had more what? He had more touchdowns than incompletions. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, we have we have a Twitter question later. Someone uh, asking why we make mediocre quarterbacks look like they are uh, all pro. So, yeah. Shout out Tanner Morgan. You're a, a baller for this week, unfortunately. Tony, you got a baller? Um, can I just uh, – I mean, I hate to do it, but I really just want to say Ohio State, to be honest. Yeah. Just as another 70-burger. And they they just don't look – I don't see a weakness – from them right now. I, wa- I watched the game because I, I took minus 42 and a half on that game. And <laughs> I woke up thinking, wow, that is such a dumb bet. And then they put 70 on them. And <clears throat> it's not a dumb bet. <laughs> they, yeah. they covered the over and the spread by themselves. So, yeah, ball of the week goes to, um, what, what is it? Their coach is it's Ryan Day. Ryan Day. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm gonna give it to him just for, unlike, I, get, I think the difference between this Ohio State team and, and other Ohio State teams, it seems like they would play down the competition and they would kind of let certain teams stick around. Ryan Day seems to have a kill everybody mentality. And, and I, I'm pretty, I think the starters played like into the third and they were up by 42 at half. So I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with Ryan Day there for big 10 baller. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good call. Uh, people, people were coming at me like crazy off season when I said, I don't think there's going to be any drop off from urban Meyer. Everyone said, Nope, urban's out. This is going to be our chance. Ohio state's going to suck. You're all idiots. I was right. You're wrong. Um, but watch out. They do have the powerhouse in Rutgers next week. So keep an eye out for upset. Potential trap game right there. (laughs) Uh, Brandon, who's your baller of the week? Wait, what do you think the spread's going to be on that Rutgers game? Oh, it's, it's, it's 50. It's 50. Oh, 50? Are we taking that? <laughs> it's 50 points right now. I'm going to hammer it. Minus 50. <laughs> uh, same 51. as Tony, though. Same. Uh, yeah, same as Tony, Ohio State. Um, big Justin Fields fan ever since he um, was in Atlanta. And so I just uh, – I, I, you guys say it's, it's Ryan Day, but I think it's Justin Fields. We've never yeah. seen an Ohio State machine with this kind of quarterback – you know, it, even his his game, sixteen for twenty five, two hundred yards, doesn't sound too great. But he is a he makes all the right decisions. He gets out of trouble. I I'm scared to play him. It's not great. Uh, Justin Fields, you're a bowler. Alex, who you got? Um, I'm gonna go not not with a, under our, the radar player, but someone different than everyone else said. I'm gonna go with uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, went play, Iowa's had you know everyone's talking about how Iowa has this amazing defense, one of the best defensive lines in the country. And Taylor uh, went uh, went into that game with a season high. Uh, he had, uh, I think it was like 250 yards rushing. Yeah. Um, and, and on like 30 something carries. So it was a close game that they played uh, against Iowa. And they only ended up winning it by two points. And uh, they uh, uh, they needed every single one of those Jonathan Taylor carries. So no touchdowns though. So is he really a baller? <laughs> yeah. Right. He, he sucks. <laughs> no, but I mean, every, all, all this talk about, you know, JK Dobbins now being the best back in the big 10. I still think, or I still think that Jonathan Taylor is better than Dobbins and I would rather have him. And I think he's the best back in the big 10, despite having, you know, Dobbins having the better game. I mean, Dobbins has that threat of Justin Fields running every single time. So mm-hmm. that takes away, you know, yeah, I mean, that takes away a, a, at least one defender every time on that read option. Taylor doesn't have that with, with Cone at quarterback and he's still dominating. No, yeah, can't doesn't even have the quarterback you have to respect as much in the throwing game as yeah. Ohio State does with Dobbins. Very true. Yeah, well, Very not true. even the throwing game. Just I mean, the, 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 like the you know the read option. Oh, someone's like. <laughs> Um, yeah, all right, so let's wrap that up. Wisconsin ekes out a two-point victory over Iowa to keep their Big Ten West hopes alive. That's still a possibility. Yeah, yeah. If, if Minnesota just Minnesota has to bed. play Iowa and well, – they have to play Iowa and Wisconsin still in the right. last two games. That's I do feel like Minnesota is going to lose one of those games. If not both of them, I, I can definitely see that happening. Yeah, so there's, there's an opportunity knows. there. Um, I thought we were going to get through a whole Big Ten Bowler segment without Jonathan Taylor. That's normally Pat's go-to guy, so uh, <laughs> shout-out to Alex for bringing him up. Uh, one more I'll throw out there. Uh, not not crazy impressive, but Brandon Peters of Illinois, 22 for 42, 369 yards and three touchdowns as they beat Michigan State, 37-34. Michigan State is not good this year. They're 4-5, and five, but a nice performance there from the Illini quarterback. So let's uh, let's switch gears. Let's run it back with the Big Ten Bozo of the Week. Let's go to reverse order. Alex, first up. Bozo of the Week. Uh, oof. 
Jeez, I'm going to have to go with the <laughs> – I know, again, we're supposed to go out of the game, but I'm going to have to go with the Penn State secondary. I mean, <laughs> Tanner Morgan, he's like – I mean, he's a fine quarterback. But to allow him to throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns, whatever, two t- whatever it was against us, I mean, no. You know what? Actually, I'm not even the defensive secondary. I'm going to go with Brent Pry on that. Wow. I, think that Rick, I think that Ricky. I think that Ricky Ronnie's getting a lot of shit for his play calling, which may not have been great. But I don't. Th- for some reason, I don't think Brent Pry is. He made zero adjustments throughout that game, and just mm. absolutely got torched. Mm. The defense is that he made absolutely zero adjustments, and so I'm going to go with Pry. They scored right. like seven, seven points in the second half, didn't they? Yeah. They did two incompletions. I, they didn't yeah, clearly it didn't throw it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't have to. I mean, yeah, they were managing the game at, at that point. They were up. Yeah, that's also true. That's also. But I also said that speaking like to that quickly because I know we got to move through this. But <laughs> um, like, if I thought the biggest mistake that they made was when Minnesota came out second half and was just trying to kill clock, and they would run the ball three times in a row. That's when I think that's why I said I felt like we lost twice because once they started doing that, I was like, oh, we're going to win this game because we're going to get a couple three and outs because they're going to try to run. And then we're going to get a couple quick scores and we'll be right back in the game. And that's kind of what happened. And then we. Yeah. So anyway, continue. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll get into that in a second. Brandon, you got a bozo for us. I hate to say it, but Chase Young. No. Wow. I hate to say it. I, it, you know, wow. it's not fair. I know exactly what happened to him, but you got caught. You can't get caught, and it's not fair. It, a hundred percent. His family, hey, that's that's messed up. His girlfriend, she deserves to go to the Rose Bowl. A hundred percent. He paid it back, but you can't get caught. Not in the middle of the season. Not when your team is where you are, and you just lost your Heisman. Yeah, Rose, I'll, I'm I'll so you, sorry. I'll give you the Heisman stuff, but I mean, it's pretty strategic that he has to sit out the Maryland and the Rutgers game because you know that shit will get appealed and he'll be out only two. But Chase Young, he got caught. You're a bozo. Tony, who's your bozo? Um, my bozo is actually Northwestern. Um, cool. The fact that they – I mean, yes, they've been terrible all season, but the fact that you lost to a Purdue's third-string quarterback and kind of let him throw all over you as well, that's that's just embarrassing. Um and the fact that because of because they are so bad and because Purdue had their third string quarterback, I took the under and the over hit. <laughs> so the Northwestern just not taking care of business and the fact that they play on a high school field, you guys are bozos and I hate you. <laughs> and I'll never bet anything Northwestern again in my life. Yeah, I mean that's that's kinda on you for betting Northwestern, but but we'll let it slide. Uh Pat, who's your bozo? Yeah. Uh, my Big Ten Bozo this week is the No Names All Game podcast. Yep. Or, uh, bo- both predicting like tw- three score victories over Minnesota <laughs> and just going on about how they have played nobody and clearly aren't as good as us. Yep. Yep. I was actually, I was going to do the exact same thing. We did it once last year. I think it was the Michigan State podcast last year where I just talked about how Brian Lewerke doesn't scare me and we have so much talent. We're so much better. And then we lost, and I gave myself the bozo. So I'm happy you did it. I had the same exact thought process. Um, Tony, I think you told me I'm not allowed to predict scores anymore. No, you're not. No. <laughs> I feel like the last three games, all your predictions have been two to three score victories. Listen, man, For in my defense, if we just play the way we know we can play, those things come true. But that's, that's here nor that's there. True. Here nor there. Uh, let's get into this game. So obviously, also, I think for the first time ever, uh, the opposing offense outscored Chris's prediction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That typically doesn't happen. 
Real quick, um, before we leave the Bozos and Ballers section, yep. I think that the real baller of the weekend was former Big Tenner Joe Burris, who I think locked up the Heisman. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great So He may not be in the Big Ten anymore, but he locked had up the Heisman. Honorary Heisman. Wait, he was Heisman. Yeah, he was an Ohio, Ohio State, State quarterback. What is Ohio State doing? <laughs> and why aren't we doing it? Yeah, so giving their players loans. That's what they're doing, right? He's, uh, <laughs> he's lo- he, as much as I love Fields, yeah, I, think, I, I, think, I think Burrow locked up the Heisman this weekend against Baylor. Oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he had I a great thought, quote. I thought, um, I thought that game was for. I think that game was more. Even if LSU lost that game, I think LSU would still be okay just because their strength of schedule that they had. But Alabama could not lose that yeah. game. Alabama losing that game, it, it crushed them. And especially for how they lost the game, like the score looked closer um, than it actually was. They were getting crushed. Alabama losing that game, I, I think that's going to hurt. I don't think that they don't have a game where they can make that up. They're going to need other people losing to get back into playoff conversation unless they beat Auburn by like 70. Yeah. And I mean, that was the rooting interest going into it, right? As Penn State fans, you wanted LSU to win for that reason. Um, you know, still not not great because we didn't handle business, but Alabama losing is definitely the better. We win, we win the Big Ten, and I think we're in. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think you can keep a one-loss Big Ten champion up. Agreed. All right, so those are your Big Ten ballers and bozos. Um, let's do this. Typically, we do a lion and a lamb, your MVP, LVP. Let's go quickly through the lion. I think we're probably all going to have similar answers. There's not a ton of guys to choose from. And then uh, and then we'll jump into the game, and, and we can kind of give out your lamb as it comes up naturally, because if we start doing it, we're just going to get into deeper conversation. So let's start with lion. Pat, who's your lion of the week? Um, I got to go with Journey Brown. Uh, nine yards to carry, 124 yards, two touchdowns, especially with the big one that kind of kept us in the game. He was like the only guy that be the first half of that game who was keeping us in it. And, you know, especially for a guy who's like he hasn't had the reps all year to break out, and then all of a sudden when we really need it, he does. Got to give it up to him there. Yeah, this was uh, this was probably the least rotation we've seen. I mean, obviously, McCain <laughs> being out aids that but yeah journey journey had probably his biggest opportunity of the year and and took advantage of it um tony who you got well can, can we talk can we what happened with noah kane was he hurt i don't i don't know yeah. what happened yeah he was hurt yep so he was he hurt. Got, he got he, hurt at the end of last game yeah he got hurt at the end of last game you figured with the bye he would have time to come back uh he was dressed he went through just some warm-ups no actual drills um and then kind of just stayed on the sideline rode the bike a little bit during the game so obviously whatever injury he's going through is a little bit bigger than we might have thought okay i think it's going to be for me i, I want to say journey brown but i i feel like we're all going to say journey brown um uh I guess I guess KJ. I'll say KJ. Um, KJ had had some had some had some big catches, big moments in the game. I don't really feel like. Um, well, I mean, he was also just being fed at targets from Cliff. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I think he had what 124 yards. Um, yeah, I think KJ. I don't think he had a touchdown though. He didn't have no a touchdown, touchdowns. Nope, seven receptions, 119 yards, long of 25. <clears throat> Love yeah, it. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Kate. Nice, Brandon. Who you got? Journey Brown, my man. Easy. <laughs> Alex. Um. Yeah, I mean, Journey had a great game, but I think I'll go with uh, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, this game, I think that he, I felt like every time we needed a big a big third down, um, that was Clifford's go-to guy. I mean, Hamler was the big plays and whatnot. He looked at him a lot, but anytime he needed a third and five, third and six, third and seven, 
I think Fryermuth must have picked up at least three or four first downs on his on his first. I think his first hundred yard game this year. Yeah, so playing for extra yards the whole way. Yeah. So and you know you had the one big play where you know they had the third down overturned uh, because of the timeout that Minnesota called right before the play, and then they did the same exact play right to Fryermuth again, and he was able to convert it again. So yeah, I would go with him. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I think I had Fryermuth as well. He converted. <laughs> Couple of third downs. I'm pretty sure he had that fourth down too. The one that, uh, yeah, um, that that I think it was right after the Minnesota timeout that brought it back, converted on third again, and then later in that same drive, I'm pretty sure had the the fourth and four. Um, kind of boggles my mind that he didn't get a whole lot of red zone targets, but I'll save that for when we get to the offensive discussion. Um, yeah, I think those are the three guys. It's, it's Journey, it's KJ, it's Pat. Um, there's not really a ton of other guys you could talk about. Um, Mike had a pretty good game, but. Those are your lines of the week. Tony, what were you about to say there? I said Matt Cliff? No, 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 no. <laughs> Cliff is not a line. Hey, don't start. All right, all right. So let's, you know <laughs> Should have been zero this. interceptions, though, let's be honest. Let's, let's do this. I'll, I'll <laughs> kick this one off. Let's, let's actually go out with our lamb, our least valuable player of the week, and let's keep it short. We'll get into the deep discussion in a minute. I'll, I'll kick it off. It's going to be Cliff. I love this guy to death. I love him. I think he is going to be incredible for our future. Three interceptions, underthrowing guys. You just can't have it. So, Cliff, I love you, but you're my lamb of the week. Uh, Alex, go for it. Uh, it's kind of hard because he didn't see as much playing time as I would have expected him to, but I'm going to go with Justin Shorter. Um, and mainly <laughs> mainly because Brandon hypes him up about how he's going to be this fucking amazing wide receiver. <laughs> literally, um, literally what you say. he's going to be the best receiver in the world. And every single time I see him, he just doesn't do I mean, he, he started off the game with a, a big drop on a deep pass to, from Cliff. Uh, so I'm going to go with Justin Shorter. Brandon is freaking out right now. Okay. My lamb is, my lamb is Justin Shorter, but Alex, you're a full lie. Justin Shorter has been the most sure hands in the team up until this point in the year. Go look at the Maybe not sure. Maybe not sure hands. That's out there. You can't say he's been the most sure hands because he's he had has two been. opportunities. He's, he's caught like five balls this year. He's caught everything thrown to him except one ball. Yeah, like five balls. He got five balls. <laughs> Knocked unconscious and right. still held on to it. Okay, I so need- he dropped. So I KD has only five drops. You, you, you drop. Okay. So yeah, you're right. Maybe this year. I agree. I, maybe I ever said he that. Had but a bad he's game, also though. had he's like, he's also had like five passes thrown to him the entire year. So you drop one and then your catch percentage goes down by a bunch. So yeah, he's been okay. sure handed, okay. but he's, children, he hasn't had any children. I will, I will jump. I need a mute button like Tony Reale has. So I can <laughs> mute because, um, I believe he had 10 catches coming into this game. So okay. Double, so 10 catches. Double so he your drops. projection. <laughs> Yeah, but, so he drops two, so he drops two, and then now his catch percentage, his drop percentage is huge. The point, the point remains uh, double lamb for shorter so far. Tony, who you got? Um, actually, it's a wide receiver, but it's it's actually Jahan Dotson. Let's talk about the game-winning touchdown where he just decided he was going to slide as if we were up like by a score, and he was going to run. And now we're going to run the clock out. I still don't understand what happened. I looked at it. It didn't look like <clears throat> he tripped. It literally looked like he was just like, ah, I think this is good. I'm going to slide here. And I I can't wrap my head around why. Can If anyone here can please give me just uh, an inkling of why they thought he should. He had probably a two-yard gap in between him and the next closest defender, and he just slid. Not even like he like fell forward because he tripped. He just slid. Like he was a quarterback. Wasn't there star safety so, yes. hawking him down though? He was. He was going to get caught. I don't yeah. think he was going to make it to the end zone. I, I think he was running out of steam. But he I mean, I, I do one. think. 
he tried to cut back, and I think he fell. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I definitely don't think he was going down to try to like run clock out. I just think that he kind of like ran out of steam and just kind of like his legs gave out from underneath him and whatnot. Like, he was not making it to the end zone. No. <laughs> well, we need he to should have because he's got he's got the speed too. He's got he's got the speed too. Yeah. Just like I, I, he just ran out of steam. Definitely could have made it closer though. I'm, <laughs> I'll give Tony that he could have made it further than the eleven yard line. Yeah, yeah, like I, I thought at first on, on the slant, I was just like, okay, first down. And then I saw the separation because he does have breakaway speed. And I'm like, oh, no, this is a touchdown. And I literally, I, I swear on my life, I was standing on the table at the bar, screaming at the TV, thinking like, oh, yeah, this is a touchdown. And I thought at that point, we score a touchdown, our defense locks it down right there. We They're not they, – I don't think we give up any, any score score. I think we go four and out in that point for them – Probably a turnover. We're just going to get big plays because we do have big play players that can do that. And then he slid, and I was like, "Well, if that doesn't sum up this game, I don't know what does." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm indifferent. I don't think he slid. I th- it almost looked like he was just kind of running out of gas and fell. I don't know. I'm here nor there. But yes, obviously a huge play in the game. So Pat, finish it up. Who's your lamb of the week? Uh, Tariq Castro Fields, a guy I like a lot, but had I must have been the worst game of his entire life. <laughs> I mean, he was just getting beat left and right. I don't think he like stopped a single pass all game. He was, for the most part, manned up on Rashad Bateman, who got seven catches for 203 yards and a touchdown, uh, including a long of 66. I, I mean, I really like Tariq Ashfield. I think he's a very good <clears throat> player, but he was just really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm surprised we didn't go the whole secondary. Sorry for singling out uh, Tariq there, but yeah, it was a it was a tough game for the secondary. So that's interesting, though. Four out of the five of us give lambs to an offensive player when we we've kind of talked about how the defense was was obviously a bigger challenge. So uh, let's jump well, into the defense right now. What's that? I said that's because we're gonna hop on the defense now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're, they're gonna get a whole thirty minute dedication. Oh, uh, Pat, to your your point really quickly about um, Bateman. You know, all seven of his catches came on third down. I didn't realize that, but that wow. is so much yeah. worse. Now. All all his <laughs> all his catches came on third down, and like five of them were that post corner that they kept running that we just couldn't defend for our lives. Nobody within 15 yards, and I don't understand. Like, what defense is that? I, I, I would love somebody to give me a breakdown and say, like, Bill was just like, yeah, we're playing zone. What kind of zone? Zone don't cover uh, 15 yards. Like is that I mean, it, it looked like the cover two. Yeah, uh, kept being beaten that cover two. Help over top, but Safety's it looked like late. Morgan kept looking off the safety, and like we never adjusted to it, and Tariq got beat every time. Yeah, so let's let's start there. Uh, obviously, a lot of wide open receivers. Um, first drive of the game after Cliff's interception, we see uh, man wide open where Reed comes up to to play the under. Taylor doesn't get over in time, and it seemed like that theme just continued to repeat itself pretty much all game. So um, let's let's start with the secondary. Brandon, what are your thoughts on the secondary, the zone we were running? What's uh, what, what was the problem? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to watch film but just just the fact of it dropping into that zone between the safety and the corner the whole game that's that's a that's a jamming issue that safety's never going to be able to get to that spot um it just the game is too fast quarterbacks are too strong that's a jamming issue they have to disrupt the timing on the offense or on the line of scrimmage and 
I don't know if the defense wasn't doing that. I don't know if we were just getting beat off the jams because their receivers are huge. Our cornerbacks are not that big. I don't I don't know what was going on the line of scrimmage down there, but that's generally a timing issue if you can hit that spot every time. Yeah, that was one of the things we talked about in the preview is that their receivers are all big-bodied receivers. Um, I think P.J. Fleck had a quote like, uh, oh, yeah, they have K.J. Hamler. We have three K.J. Hamlers. And that pissed me off so much, but then they went and just crushed us. So I really can't really can't stand on that anymore. Alex, what did you see on the defense, particularly in the secondary? I mean, honestly, I, I really think it was more of a, a, a maybe – I don't necessarily want to blame it all on the coaching, but I think it was a coaching preparation thing. I mean, if you look at all of you know, their completions and their passes – for the most part, it's not like these like the cornerbacks were getting like beat. It looked like we were just out schemed. And whether that be the players not preparing correctly, the coaches not, you know, coaching you know, preparing correctly, whatever it may be, it really just seemed like we were just not where we were where we were supposed to be. I mean, you look at most of I mean, beyond the touchdown to Tyler Johnson, that uh, the one in the second quarter where he made that one handed catch, which there really isn't much you could do about. The other you know, the other scores were just it was just us being out of position. And I don't know if that's more on the coaches or on the players, but it really it's it's not like we were getting you know like we we're running man coverage and our cornerbacks just couldn't stick with them. It really just seemed like in the secondary we just were not where we were supposed to be. Yeah, that one-handed one from Tyler Johnson wasn't correct. Yeah, there was, I think it was nothing Keaton you could Ellis do about right that. on him. Um, I and, also would love to him. see more Keaton Ellis. I I think that he's our best cover corner, and I would love to see more of him. Best on the whole team. Yeah. Wow. Bold yeah. take. Yeah, Bold take. I I hundred percent agree. Yeah, well, I, I think. Thing. I mean, Fra- Franklin. Fra- that's always been Franklin's thing. Is he plays the players that have been around longer that he's most loyal to. He doesn't play the, the necessarily the best players. You saw last year with with Parsons. You're going to see it this year. I think. With, I think Keaton Ellis is better than than. And I don't. I don't know what if they do the thing where you know, like you want, Keaton plays on one side of the field. I, I, don't, I have no idea, but uh, I think you need to see more of him. And I, and I'm looking forward to more Brisker next year as well. I think I think Brisker is going to be better than Taylor. Taylor pissed me off that game. He he should have been my lamb. Garrett Taylor should have been my left. I, I don't know <laughs> dude, what the dude, hell he was doing. He was four, so four, out of place. Four forced fumbles by Keaton Ellis. It's absurd. Yeah, yeah very, absurd. I, I would love to see more Keaton Ellis. I think he's our best secondary uh, defender. Yeah, kids playing well. So let's. Uh, I'm going to integrate some Twitter questions here while we're talking about it. Uh, so Jeffrey Walliser Jr. says, passing defense is a major problem. Scheme issue? We've all kind of danced around it. Tony or Pat, you got any thoughts on that? Well, I've been, <clears throat> I've been saying that I thought – our defensive backs have been trash all season. I'm on I'm on record saying that. And and it's primarily because I think this is the first time I've seen it on such a bad scale. I thought I said they were trash because I was being overzealous saying how we just keep losing 50-50 balls at, at like a 70% clip, which how do you lose something that's 50-50 70% of the time? Like it it that just doesn't make sense logically. It just doesn't add up. And but now seeing after this game, it's it's deeper than that. It's and I don't know. I'm not. You guys are much more um, versed with like the corners and like the names and, and who's who and like who we have backing people up. I really only know that on the offensive side and kind of in the front seven. And I and I, but I agree with with what Alex said. Franklin just has a problem with playing the best players and, and instead sticking with the experience. Cause I guess he thinks in a crunch time situation, the, the, the more experience is going to know what to do over the player, a better overall football player. Parson, the fact that play the first two defensive series for um, like behavioral adjustment issues. Like what, what is that? Huh? What? No idea. We, I thought we stopped doing that. 
I thought. I thought well, we stopped doing we don't know the what whole... that. We don't know what that was, though. I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily hate yeah. that until I know what. I think it was only one series, was. wasn't it? Yeah, it was just the first series. It was just the first series. Like one series. And I don't hate it if, if we find out we know what oh. it is. Yeah, I, I'd much rather. I, I, I hate it. I hate it. I'd much rather one series at the beginning of the game than a quarter or a half, which we've seen him do in the past. So here nor there, yeah. uh, Pat. Yeah. Pat, finish up there. Scheme it's, issue. Um, yeah, I have... think. Um... I, I mean, I'm with Tony on like the 50-50 balls thing has been really unacceptable this season. I think the other thing that's gotten kind of exposed is our secondary really has trouble when our defensive line isn't getting pressure. I think for most of the season, our defensive line has been pretty great. So it's, you know, it's not hard to not give up big passes when the quarterback only has a very limited time to get a pass off. But you saw at this game, our, we got no, no penetration, and then our secondary just got picked apart. Yeah, I think that's fair. So let's let's jump into that a little bit. Um, we had one sack this game, which came from Micah, I think, late in the game. Um, oh, question... oh, what a what a sack that was! It was beautiful. It was beautiful, um, but only one throughout the whole game. Now we heard about Minnesota's offensive line and how big they were. The one dude was like six nine, four hundred pounds. You gotta <laughs> hope. You gotta hope that our speed is able to beat that, and, and really it wasn't. So, quick Twitter question from uh, CJ Scalzetti, our guy CJ Goon. Says time to examine that pride D that has routinely made QBs have that have some ability to pass look like all Americans ever since the Rose Bowl. Who going deep there? Um, but his second part says overall the D end play has been underwhelming this season. We got 17 sacks against Purdue and Idaho, but when competition jumped, they can't generate pressure. He goes on to say, uh, can't say the defense played all that much better in the second half because Minnesota was just trying to burn clock. Not much faith. If we scored at the end of the game with time remaining, we would have been able to prevent a game-winning or tying field goal. So a lot to take in there. But let's start with that D-line and, and kind of what Pat talked about, the lack of pressure, which exposes the, the secondary a little bit. Um, Brandon, kick us off on that one. What do you think? Um, I, I can't. Again, it goes back to that cover two zone. Uh, if the receiver can get there as on time when they're supposed to get there, no one's going to make that sack. The cornerback is not going to make that. He, sorry, the safety is not going to be able to get over there. It, it's it's all about timing. Even even on the D line, it's about timing. It's a it's a full machine. And Penn State losing that fifty fifty ball. Their defense is predicated on fifty fifty ball. Every game we've lost has been to either uh, screens out to the outside or that fifty fifty ball. We don't do our safety help is non-existent. It really is. And so if the D-line can't get home or the receivers get too free of lease, uh, release, you lose it. And I, I, the D-line may have been at fault, but I, I don't even know at this point. The secondary was so bad, I can't even blame them. Literally at a loss for words. I love it. Alex, uh, thoughts on the D-line? No, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to say our defensive line has been underwhelming this year. I mean, yeah, they didn't play. They didn't show up this year or this week. They got, uh, you know, like you said, the one sack. I mean, another big, you know, underperformer, you know, where was Etor this week? He had, what, two tackles? N- no quarterback pressures. Like, he was non-existent that game. But, I mean, you look overall between Shaka Tony and Etor at the end, and then, you know, you even have the backups with uh, <clears throat> with Jason Oa. Um, I, I mean, th- and uh, Shane Simmons has been playing well this year, too. So, I, I mean, I think that their defensive line is fine. I think they just played a bad game. And like you said, I mean, Minnesota has the biggest offensive line in college football and one of the best. So, to say that the defensive line is underwhelmed and it's an issue, I think is a bit of an overreaction. I think it was just an issue this week against Minnesota. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan, and, and on this podcast, we are a pro Wild Dogs podcast. We love those guys. <laughs> big fan of, of Sean Spencer. Check out Sack Hunger plug. Um, 
Pat, you kind of kicked it off there. What do you think about the D line? What was uh, what was going on there? I also I agree with Alex that I don't think they've been underwhelming on the season. There's been like a game here or there where they haven't been as dominant as we expected, but this week they were flat out really bad. Um, and like I I think it's unfair to just blame the game on the secondary because the defensive line was so bad that throughout the entire first half, Minnesota didn't have one negative yardage play, not wow. one, and they also didn't have a single third and long. I think the the longest third down play they had was like third and six. That yeah. that comes down to your defensive line at the end of the day. Yeah, we talked a lot on the pre the preview show about how a key to this would be getting them in those positions that they haven't been in all season because they've been able to do whatever they want, and then they came out and did whatever they want. Um, so I think I think one of the big things and and kind of what we've all talked about as well is the you know first half versus the second half. First half, I think they were averaging something like five yards a carry. Um, you know, being able to throw pretty much anything they wanted, guys wide open. And Franklin talked a little bit in his press conference. He said, uh, you know, they run so much RPO that when you bail out to stop the run, there's always going to be something open, and they just couldn't they couldn't cover that in the first half. So, um, what do you guys think changed from first half to second half? Was it just Minnesota? you know, chewing clock and then not being aggressive, or did you actually see steps up from the defense? Um, Tony, why don't you start this one? Well, well, to, to the point that you just mentioned, um, I was kind of going to say this, um, it, it's kind of ties in with the D line thing. Like they did run a, a, like a, an incredible amount of RPO and RPO is very, it's very hard to defend. And one thing, the people who have defended RPO successfully on the college level, even now that it's implemented on the NFL level as well, it's once the once you attack the run, the D line basically, and we we I think we did it like once in the second half, maybe more than once, but once you attack the run, the D line then and the quarterback pulls it, the D line has to essentially give up trying to sack the quarterback because you're not because the play moves too quickly. You just need to jump and you just need to get in the throwing lane of the quarterback and we weren't doing that and get it. Once you get in the throwing lane, then it's going to cause the quarterback to just take a break for like literally that one second. And in that one second, that receiver is now in line with a linebacker. And if he throws that ball, it's either going to get batted away. It might get intercepted or that, or that receiver is going to get crushed by the linebacker there. And it just seemed like we were selling out for the run when the run wasn't there, then we were just going for the sack. But by the time you get you get there, the receiver has the ball and he's 15 yards downfield. And I just I, I felt like from a coaching perspective, the I felt like the scouting just just wasn't there on that. And it was almost like we had never it looked like a game where we had never seen a team run RPO before. And that first half, that's all it was. It was just like run the ball, run the ball, pull throw. It was never really – I think that there might have been like two or three plays where the quarterback took longer than three seconds to get rid of the ball, and those were like those deep bouts on like third and long, and we were only blitzing three to four people. So that's why he did have time. I just felt like overall – I just felt like we just did not do – and I, I don't – maybe you guys know, was Minnesota a more run-heavy team prior to this game? Were they passed? Oh, like, yeah. How were they – Yeah, they're more run-heavy. Yeah, so they, so they, they came they, they're three backs. They're three. I think their three backs have more rushing yards than any other three backs in the country in terms of their career. So yeah. okay, so and I think they saw something in our defense and were like, "Oh, we can pass on them all game long." And we, they know most teams know they they can't really run on us because we do have a really good front seven and our linebackers 
are a, are a huge strength for us, and you're not really going to run that much. But they saw the they saw the weakness in the past, and I've we just got so exploited. And there were like like Alex said in the beginning, there were no defensive changes, and not even changes in scheme. Because like I said, I think we do some things differently technique wise, like getting your hands up, just blocking the lanes. I think a lot of that is completely different, but none of that happened. It was solely just like, keep doing, we're in the right defense. You just have to play better. I felt like that was what was being said on the sideline. It's like, you guys just need to play better. You guys need to play harder and not, we need to do this differently. It was just like, we're better than them. Be better. Go be better. I feel like that's kind of what we were doing the entire game. Yeah, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Um, Alex, thoughts on uh, first half versus second half? Did anything change, or were they just being super conservative? No, I don't think it was even necessarily that. Well, in the first half, you know, it was all about the big play for Minnesota. I mean, two of their drives were on – two of their scoring drives were on five plays or less. You know, they had the six seventy yard touchdown, 60, whatever it was, 70-yard touchdown, and then they had the, you know, the 40-yard touchdown pass. So, uh, you know, they were quick drives, quick strikes, and you didn't see that as much in the uh, – second half plus in the first half they didn't turn the ball over at all and in the second half you know we were fortunate in the sense that they had the ball at first down on the 50 yard line and and we were fortunate enough to get a turnover after they just you know forced us to punt from inside around 10 so you know you take away that turnover and you know minnesota maybe probably gets some points at least on that drive if they don't if we if they don't turn the ball over whether it be a field goal or a touchdown so i don't really think too much changed uh you know maybe they didn't score obviously they didn't score as many points in the second half but really, it was just, I guess, maybe we stopped the big play in the second half. You know, other than that, I didn't really see too much of a difference in terms of scheme. Yeah, speaking of big plays, they ran a damn flea flicker on us. Like, yeah. That yeah. made me so irrationally upset <laughs> that they were able to do that and succeed. Oh, it just, it pissed me off. Yeah. Um, just want to make sure I can get that in there. Pat, uh, thoughts, first half, second half? Yeah, I mean, it didn't look like we were running that much of a different defense in the second half. I thought second half, we did see some more penetration from the line um, in terms of stopping the run. But I, I'll be honest, it, during that game, I was thinking that they were coaching themselves out of a win. Yeah, uh, Minnesota, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, by being, they, it, almost, it almost looked like an, an old-school Penn State where we get a lead, we don't know what to do with it, so we go super, super conservative and blow it. That's what I was banking on Minnesota to do. That's um, what I thought they were doing, too. Unfortunately, didn't happen. So they, and then of I mean, course they, they get like the one huge pass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they finished the day forty rushing attempts for only one hundred and twenty-one yards. So yes, they're averaging three yards a carry, which is about a full yard over what we normally give up. Um, but like I said, that first half they were, I think, up up closer to five. Um, it really was the Tanner Morgan show. Eighteen of twenty, three thirty-nine, three touchdowns. Um, and, you know, it just it was too much in the first half, right? We let up only seven points in the second half. Defense started playing a bit, uh, maybe more aggressive. They started being more conservative. You thought we had a chance, but unfortunately didn't. Um, yeah, I don't want to beat this one to death too much. Anything else on, on the defense that I'm missing? Anybody got any hot topics that I, I didn't touch on? Defense? I think we covered it. They gave up another one-handed circus catch. Yeah, but well, was I mean, is there anything you can do on that? Perfectly thrown ball. And that was that was that was perfect from the receiver, from the quarterback. And I'm not even gonna say our defender was out of position. That was just like that's the only place he could have put that ball that it would have been caught. It's just so funny that it happened to us. Yeah, you can't do anything about that though. Yeah, I'm okay yeah, with that one. Sure. So 
all in all, got to put this one behind us. Got to move forward. You got Indiana coming in next. So, obviously, they're they're learning some things about our defense that they can exploit. Ohio State after that. And then the powerhouse of Rutgers. So, defense, we love you. Please get it together. So, let's flip to the offense. There are so many takes, so many topics, so many things to talk about. Um, do we want to start with Ricky Ronnie? Do we want to start with Sean Clifford or somewhere in between? Because I think that's the hot topic. Brandon kick it off what's on your mind about this offense last year the wide receivers had almost over 30 drop or had over 30 drops last year as of michigan state we're at 23 our receivers are not any better than they were last year and and that's justin shorter dropping those two passes i know i love him to death but yo are what is going on kj listen if we're gonna throw the fade to you jump up and catch it with your hands stop trying to basket catch every single thing driving me crazy wide receivers just you know, Justin Shorter, come back to it. I, I know that's hard ball to track. You're a D1 athlete. You should be able to track a ball thrown up in the air. Not me in flag football and college. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So let, let's start there. The first uh, first drive of the game, um, first first throw to to Shorter. I think he just drops it. Uh, that one, no excuse for. Um, and then the second one is the deep shot. Cliff throws it up, and again, I am I'm a Cliff fan, but I think I'm a little harder on him than most. That ball is floating in the air, well underthrown. If he leads him there, throw that shit into the end zone, that's a touchdown. But, Alex, who do you put more blame on there, Clifford or Shorter? Well, uh, I, I honestly, I put more I put more blame on, uh, on Clifford on that one. I mean, yeah, Shorter could have at least made a play on it and maybe broken it up. But at the same time, I mean, Justin Shorter is essentially a freshman, um, hasn't seen much game time at all this year, and you throw it up, uh, up in the air – in wide open space against a safety that leads the nation in picks. I mean, Antoine Woodfield Jr. was everything that he was advertised to be. I mean, yeah. he oh, came in, came into that game leading the leading the NCAA in picks and added two more to it. So, yeah, I, I just it was an unnecessary risk to take that early in the game. I mean, it wasn't a great throw. Shorter could have done more, but why are you testing somebody that you know is? Thank you. But is he testing? Have. He had a step. That's a hit. You throw it out in front of him. That's a hit. But that's a tough. That's an unnecessary. He wasn't. It's not. He had a step on a sixty-yard pass. Yes, if it's a perfect throw, that's good. But it was not like he had him by like five. He, there steps. was no pressure. You're a D one quarterback. You. you throw it that. was an unnecessary throw. It was an unnecessary <laughs> risk at that time in the game. Now it's interception not, Justin it, 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 didn't work, fault. it didn't work out. It didn't work out. Obviously, this interception is Justin Shorter's fault. It was yeah? a fine ball. Justin Shorter is what. Seven inches taller than Antoine Winfield. Hey, hop. Okay, hop. Like five eight. <laughs> yeah, Shorter's he's like five what, nine, four? isn't he? Shorter I think he's five nine, six four. Shorter six uh, four. But Antoine but but it wasn't but it wasn't really a jump ball though. It was I, like it would have been if Shorter had come back to it. He, he misplayed that. You're supposed to high point the ball. Yeah, okay? he misplayed that. Well, he, I he know. Really but I, Antoine Winfield high pointed the ball. Justin Shorter could have fucking midpointed it at, at, at his height. And it's at the very least not an interception. I, I agree. I'm sorry. You're, you're a D1 a athlete. On you're ball. a five-star recruit. You have to make a play. You can't just fall. Shorter's I a five-star recruit, but that's all he was. was I think he's he going to learn from it, Alex. Shit. But what I'm saying is, in Brandon, the scheme of things, you have the biggest hard on for Justin Shorter of anybody. <laughs> Ooh, so for no mad. reason. We're getting sexual. Ooh, so I, you're I, mad. I, I think for he's no reason. Good. Starts I mean, losing it. Start losing, and he starts getting mad. That interception's his fault. 
I don't. All right. Think... <laughs> all right. All right. Listen, listen, listen. We, we can debate this one for hours. Uh, an un- unfortunate way to start the game. Personally, I loved the aggressiveness. I loved going for that early on. Um, Cliff, if, if you lead him, that's a, that becomes a 70-30 ball, an 80-20 ball in Shorter's favor. I, I need a little bit more from Cliff on that. Yeah, um, I agree. It's more on Cliff than Shorter. It's on both of them, but I think it's more on Cliff. Yeah. So let's let's talk about my guy Sean Clifford for a bit. Um, obviously, three interceptions doubles his interception total for the season. Uh, that first one we just covered. The second one, arguably, um, very arguably, pass interference uh, where KJ no gets kind of lit up. <laughs> Every, are we all in agreement there? That was pass interference. Yes. That was horrendous. Uh, yeah. I don't know if in real time. I don't know if in real time. I would I would have been upset if I if it went the other. You know, if that was Penn State that got yeah. Fear if it's called on us, but you know, at the same time, it it was was hindsight definitely real time. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Exactly. There's no challenging in college football. In hindsight, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But like at the time when I first saw it, I didn't think it was pass interference at all. When you slow it down, when you slow it down on the replay, like everything is pass interference. Like any yeah. contact before the ball is there's technically pass interference, and that happens all the time. So I, in I real thought time, it was pretty egregious. It, it looked bad to me, but I, I did. I will say shout out to KJ Hamler in the post game. Um, no excuses. He said he. No, it's a bad look to complain about officiating after a loss. So oh, of course, but I loved how yeah. he went about it. He actually even said he goes, "That's a 50-50 ball. I need uh, to make a better play on it," which uh, I loved him owning that. Honestly, I was way more upset about the pass interference call on Danny George, the offensive pass interference call. The game. I thought that was a weak call. He was running call. a route. He didn't even yeah, put his I hands that, up. I thought that was a weak well, ass call. That was nasty. Yeah, I, I, was, I was not super upset. And then you don't call it on Dotson at the end yeah. of the game? That's ridiculous. Be consistent. Be consistent. Even that one on Dotson was uh, – you're right. It was inconsistent, but it was – it was, and it sh- if you, the way they were calling the game, they should have called it. But – like, if I were to just take that play in a nutshell, I I wasn't super upset about that not being called P.I. I was very got upset hooked. that, that was my hook, hook, Getting hooked like that's pretty obvious. He got hooked and turned. That's a but it, but it, that's it textbook. Didn't really hugged. That's textbook. Hey, so let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Pat, we're going to start with you. What's worse of KJ getting pass interference on the on Cliff's second interception, um, Jahan getting pulled down on the, the game winner, or Daniel George is not. He didn't even. That he didn't even get pulled out. down because he didn't even go down. I mean, maybe he got hooked a little bit. He didn't go down. He, he turned. got pulled in the NFL, right? and you turn like Pat, that. Badness. <laughs> Pat, what's the worst one? Too, my my rankings in terms of badness: the Daniel George, then the KJ, then the Jahan. Yeah. 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 So, I agree um, with that. I agree with that. Yeah. So we're we're all over the place, listeners. I apologize. We we had a lot of energy. We're getting it all out this episode. Bear with <laughs> us. Um, so I think in general, for for Cliff again, it's it's something that doubles his interception total. Um, obviously not ideal. We can talk about what should have been thrown, what should have been called all day. Um, but even outside the interceptions, he had several balls that were just flat out missed. Um, and I, I'm curious. I'm curious what you guys think about that. Is that is that a but is that's that a problem, or is that something that is is sort of a, a symptom of the moment? No, yeah, I, I think it was a symptom of the moment. I think it was very much uh, this was the biggest game that he's ever played in, especially on the road in a game where I mean Minnesota is not exactly you know Iowa or Ohio State or Michigan in terms of the environment, but that was the biggest game in Minnesota's the last 30, history? 40 years. Not not history. I mean, they won a couple national championships back in the forties. And whatnot, but 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 you know, in terms of you know the most recent, in terms of since the turn of the century, that is the biggest game that they have hosted in years. So they were real excited for that. I think the atmosphere probably was pretty big. 
And uh, like you said, I'm still high on Cliff. I still think that he – I think it was a lot of mental stuff. I don't think it was him not being a good quarterback. He did what he did all season, 50%. It, I mean, I – that's, he has oh, looked. That's what I was gonna say. Like, yeah, I don't, he did all season. He, I don't he, see any difference in that game than than what he's been. Except obviously, the this game the was turnovers. just significant. The, 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 the turnovers. Yeah, the turnovers. Pure luck. He hasn't had more turnovers. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. I'm, I'm gonna put about all three missing. I'm, I'm talking about missing missing throws. I feel like it's too often that he's he missing throws, and and. It, and and it could just be he he is a first year starter. He maybe he is starting a little bit sooner than he should have been starting. Like, but he's missing throw. And I, and I and I see your face when you say when I say that, Alex. But um, like I I I I, I kind of think that he's he every week he's missing throws that it's like oh no dude you have to hit that and and it goes both ways. I mean our receivers are dropping passes where it's like you need to catch that and it goes both ways. I think just. In terms of our skill position, we aren't there yet. We are we are not there in the slightest. The only but, time we're there, the clo- the closest people being there, to be honest, is like our running game. Like when our running game is going, I would say our running backs are the the highlight of our offense right now. Yeah, but, that's fair. But I mean, honestly, I mean, it's it, it's his it's his turn. It was the turnovers this week that killed him. I mean, he he doubled his interception total in one game. So yep. you know, I mean, that's that 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 hasn't happened all year. I mean, yeah. he's, he's he has missed throws, but his, they've been good misses in the in the past. He just you can't throw three interceptions and expect to win a game against yeah, so a, let's, a top. Let's and wrap up on like Cliff. That. Pat, thoughts on on Clifford? What's your assessment of him after this game? Did it change from after the Michigan State game? Are you still on the same page? Where are you at with Clifford? No, I feel the same way about him. Just like Alex, he's yeah, he missed some throws, but he's missed those throws in the past. I think he'll eventually make those throws in the future. Roughly the same completion percentage he's had all year. Uh, I still maintain that he should have had no interceptions. Uh, <laughs> even, even though two of them were legitimately bad throws, but they still he still should have had no interceptions. Yeah, and so I, 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 say, I think yeah, honestly what hurts him, he's got three receivers who actively make plays on the ball. He's got KJ, he's got Dotson, and he's got Pat Fryermuth. Everyone else he throws to just doesn't go make a play on the ball. They let it come to them. And it hasn't hurt us that much this season, but I, it's just, it's not ideal. Brandon, your face just looked all kinds of worried on that. <laughs> Again, Justin Schroeder has made plays on the ball. He had a bad game. I stand by that. Alex, Dude, shut up. He, he hasn't had ten, the opportunity to make plays ten, on the ball. Ten, yeah, exactly. He hasn't had the opportunity. He has 10 Small catches. But the ones that he has, he has made, I'm, you know, statistically I, I would wise. I love to look up all of his 10 catches. None of them have been. Oh, like look it up. Tested. His highlight tape shouldn't be that long this year. No. Look it up. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't <laughs> had like these. They've all been like like, like little We're, button hooks and like whatnot. The only we have on right now ahead, is, is Pat Fryermuth. He is. He's the only he's the only consistent offensive weapon that we have. I mean, receiver wise, is Pat Fryermuth. He's the. It seems like every time it's thrown to him, he catches it. it. Doesn't matter if it's in traffic. Doesn't matter if he's about to get his head knocked off. He's the only person on our team that if the ball is thrown to him, I'm like, oh, this is a catch, and he Tony, showed it. And, and Tony, he, is it, this is your first podcast episode. Excellent at segues. Uh, let's go there. Pat Fryermuth, consistent all game. So I think I think we're wrapped on Clifford. Really, really bad game. We're excited for his future. Again, it's his first year starting, right? If we look at where, you know, maybe Trace was his first year to his third year, Clifford has so much room for growth. Very excited for the future. Their stats Fryermuth, are almost identical for this amount of starts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If, if you put it side by name. side, they're fairly close. 
Um, but Pat Frymuth, in in my opinion, is one of, if not the best tight ends in the country. True sophomore. The guy just does it all. Does it all. So my question, and Tony, I'll start with you since you brought this up, is yeah. why does that man not get more targets in the red zone? Um, his name is starts with two R's. Um, <laughs> Roger Rabbit. Terrible. Exactly. He might I, honestly, he might as well have Roger Rabbit back there calling plays <laughs> because that's that's what it that's what it feels like. And me and Brandon for for the podcast listeners, Brandon and I got into a very very heated exchange via text message for about twenty minutes, and it wasn't until Ricky Rain decided to throw another fade route to KJ Hamler in the red zone, where Brandon was just like, "You're right." His play calling. This this goes back all the way to the beginning when I said and and our inability seemingly to scout teams and why are we it seemed like we kept going after their best corner who is one of the best corners in the country and I felt like we should have just stayed far away from him unless it was like a, a, a sure thing. I just like there's no point in challenging him. We have too many weapons on our team where we probably don't need to Fuck. challenge him at any point in the so, game. Right. Like <laughs> Monday night football. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. um, I have it on my team too, but I don't. I don't think there's any point in the game where we should have had to challenge him. You put the matchups. I don't think they were. I don't think he was shadowing anyone in particular. So you just line up your players. You line up your best players away from him, or just do double moves. Anything. I don't know, but it just seemed like, especially at the end of the game, some of those drives and right before halftime. The play calling was just like, and and people get mad at at the draw. I actually love the draw play. The draw play where we get it, he pretends like he's gonna throw it, and then he runs. It seems like every time we run it, it's a hit. Except he just ran it at the worst possible time. I feel like that is a first down call. That's what you call like on first and goal. You do that draw play, especially when you're running the hurry up. But instead, I felt like Ricky did it. What did he do? Like on third down. Yeah, sure two that's straight true. runs to Devin Ford. Yeah, yep. so, <laughs> let's talk I'm about like, that sequence. I'm like, I'm like, no, no, no. That is the first down call. You go up, boom, and I guarantee that's a touchdown because yeah. the defense, especially if they're on their heels, popping <sighs> back, especially how we have the how we have everything spread out. I'm sure that's a touchdown. But when you run two straight run plays and now they're playing for it, it no, that's not going to work. I, <sighs> Yep, so let's talk about that red zone series, end of the game. Pat, you just mentioned it. Two run plays, not only two run plays, but two to Devin Ford, who had not been in all game. And I'm a big Devin Ford fan. Really, really love him. But I was reading, uh, I think it was in Audrey Snyder's article today, that uh, just before that series, Journey Brown actually like took himself out of the game. So hopefully he's not banged up, but apparently tapped on his helmet, which means I can't go, I need to come out. So they put Devin Ford in, run it to him twice. Cliff does his little uh, QB draw that goes nowhere, and then we throw a fade to the incredibly tall KJ Hamler in the corner of the end zone. Pat, what was going through your mind on that uh, that red zone draft? I I fucking hated that red zone. Every red zone drive we had almost. Um, I actually so I think Ricky Ronnie was fine all game except for in the red zone somehow. Uh, he play calling was fine everywhere, but like inside of fifteen yards, and I I, I hate that corner end zone fade i think it's like the worst play in football history unless you have like randy moss or calvin johnson on your team but then to do it the guy who's five nine is even worse 
I, it's just it's such a fucking low percentage play. Your receiver has so little room. Your quarterback has to deliver such a good ball. I, I don't like it. I hate that play call. And then especially on third down. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Brandon, that uh, that red zone series. What'd you think? Um, well, for the fades, for the two, because they ran it twice. Uh, I, th- I really think Minnesota was matching up with us in a weird way down there, um, probably isolating KJ by himself uh, because it, pre-snap read, there's no safety over there both times. If you notice, it's KJ one-on-one. And then, so I don't know if Cliff is just making the wrong pre-snap read, thinking uh, you know, KJ is going to get more um, separation. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened with the draws. I was trying to figure that out. One of them looked like it was supposed to be a swing to Journey Brown or whoever the running back was in. It, it looked like it was going to get a big way, and then Cliff just tucked his head and ran. Um, I guess it comes back to – I don't know what Cliff's thinking, so I don't, I don't know if I can attack the play call too much because we've seen Cliff make some decisions where we're just like – why or is there no other side of the field is are they limiting cliff's field is he forced to do a pre-snap at half the field there's just a lot going on here because even with our offense being as inept it was last year trace still saw more of the field trace was still looking around we didn't have kj running fades and, and i don't wait, know wait 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 are you complimenting trace hey Masoli? don't you dare say this <laughs> <laughs> don't you? we have that no, on look. record now we have that on record <laughs> For, for the listeners, Brandon Beal is a known Trace McSorley hater, and he's complimenting him. Granted, that is in his third year versus Cliff's first year. Um, yeah, I think the I think the the sweep that you're talking about, I think, was when KJ was coming across. Um, it, it, a lot of people had that in gift form today. It looked like looked like he might have been able to score that. Yes, it, there were guys over there, but it was blocked well. Um, so yeah, it, it's tough because it's it's hard to say. And I I listen, Ricky Ronnie gets a lot of flack, a ton from me personally. I think my tweet was, "What the fuck are you thinking, Ricky Ronnie?" Um, but yeah, you don't know. You don't know if it's if it's play call or execution. And I think that's what's got the fan base really riled up. So Alex, in your opinion. Those red zone, those red zone failures. Is that more on play calling or more on execution? All right. Well, it's, it just popped in my head. So I, I think that those, you know, the play calling and whatnot, that's been talked enough about in terms of this that last drive. So what I'm going to talk bring up that hasn't been said yet, um, that I just remembered. Uh, when you're talking play call versus execution, first when they went for two the first time when it was 19 to 24, they go oh for my two. God, yes. First off, I thought that was a terrible decision to go for two at that time. It was the third quarter. Early in the third quarter, why are you going for two there? I absolutely hated that that call. But then we get there. I thought the play call was fine. Ricky Slade had it, and that was a terrible execution. Why is he going to the outside? Cut that back into the middle where you have your blockers. Instead, he takes it to the outside where he has zero room to move. It was just terrible execution. But at the same time, they shouldn't have gone for two in the first place. They should have just kicked the field goal. They would have been down by four. Then it would have been an eight. Then it would have been um, – they would have been down by 11 instead of 12. They could have gone for the field goal instead of having to go for it on fourth down when they had the fate. I, I thought they managed the game pretty poorly at the end. Don't go for two there. Take the one. You're down by four. Then, it's, then instead, that when they scored the touchdown, it would have been 31 to 20. We don't even have to talk about throwing to fade to KJ. We can just go for the uh, go for the field goal to make it a one-score game. Instead, we're forced to go for two uh, or forced to go for the touchdown on fourth down because it's a 12-point two-score, you know, 12-point game. I, I don't like that at all. So I, I think that it was a very a very big combination of poor execution and poor play call. I really on um, in terms of that four that four down series with the fir- the first time with the fade to Hamler, I, I didn't hate the three runs because it got us down to the two. I just didn't like the fourth down play call. And I think that a lot of that is the pre snap read on Cliff. I think that Cliff has to recognize that the fade is not there and audible. I mean I think you have the scores wrong, Alex, by the way. When? If they didn't go for two, they would have been down. 20, four. We would have been t- 
Yeah, we would have been down, been down by, by four. four. Yeah, and then if they scored the touchdown, it would have been thirty-one to twenty. We would have been down by eleven instead of twelve, and then we could kick the field goal there instead of go for but, the go for go for it. I guess we would have kicked the field goal earlier, but the thing is, we wouldn't have known earlier if we had to kick a field goal or score a touchdown. Yeah, I know, I know, but that's what I'm saying. You don't it, you don't have to go for that two that early in the game. If it would have been the fourth quarter, then I say go for two. But it was midway through the third quarter. Take the point and make it a four point game. Don't. Uh, I even said this. At, this is not like a hindsight type of thing. I even said this at the bar before the play happened. I was like, just take the points. It's too early to try to make it a three point game because even if you if it's a four point game. Then you go for the t- say they were to score the touch we were to score a touchdown before Minnesota then we go up by three rather I, than you know so I, I think it was too early to go for two at that point I and that's like not a hindsight every, thing I feel like every, Tony go ahead. I feel like every time in, in like any time I've watched any sort of like football game in college or the NFL I feel like the coaches always go for two before they need to thinking that they yeah. will, that they will need to and eventually at the end of the game like some. Some turn of events happen. They get a turnover. They get another score. Something happens where you're like, "Wow, that one point would really do us a lot of good right now." You, so you I, I feel sh- like I feel like you should not be going for two unless it's like literally like this two these you two need points. To, is yes, I hundred percent agree. With that. Yeah, I'm still not following Alex because okay, so we had thirteen and a half. We said we had thirteen and a half, right? So we go, we get the seven, right? But then we kick a field goal in the next one instead of going for and fourth down, and then we get seven more points. It gives us thirty. We're still a point down. I mean, no, at some no, no, point, no, 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 no. Okay, at some point, yes, you do need to go for two. I agree, but then you go for two the second time when so we score our second <clears> touch. Then, then, then you go for two. Then, not you because know, it's way too early to go for two. But so then, then you game. then you leave. You're going for two restricted to the last second of the game. Whereas now they know how many points they have to get. Yeah, from exactly. The you, but, you, but, you're, but you exactly you go for two when you need. You know that you need to go for two. That's the only time that you should go for two. You but then you take away a fresh idea. You two are on mute. Pat, what do you think? I'm with Brandon on this one. I think you know you're gonna have to go for two eventually. No, you don't. You might as well take two tries at it. You don't know you're gonna have to go for two eventually. I don't know if I'm still on mute or not. <laughs> no, you're good. You're oh, good. Okay. So basically, basically, let me let me see if I understand this, Alex. You're basically saying you don't go for there for it there because there's so much game left. Exactly. If you start playing better. You score touchdowns. You stop them. Those that one point doesn't matter. Yes. Brandon and Pat are saying this game the way it's been going. We know that it's going to be competitive. We might as well go for it now in case we need it later on. Then you can play I, call for what you know too. I think I think there's I think there's arguments on both sides. What I do you mean you can play for? No, because I mean, so say you go for one and they, they get the they you know then we make it twenty four to twenty, right? We assuming we make the extra point. Um, then what if we were the ones that scores next? What if we score a touchdown next and go? Then we go up by a field goal, rather than if we, if we miss it. What if? Or you can just guarantee your two points right then and there. But you can't next guarantee Chris. it because you're not, you can't guarantee it because it's less likely that you're going to get it. I'd rather. I'm no mathematician. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather take the one point knowing that you're going to get it than risk going for two. As See, I'm an athlete, not a mathlete, so I'm not going to try to do the math. It didn't work out. I will say I didn't like the play call at all. Alex, you said you liked it. It was – I mean, Ricky's R- – Ricky's behind. in if he goes – he's in if he goes – he comes yeah. upfield. He's in if call. he comes upfield. Also right, pretty well, bad block. Oh, minority there. there. What did you say, Pat? It was also a pretty bad block by his – Well, that's – Well, no, but he, way, was block, he was blocking him to the outside, and Ricky just yeah. went right into him. If he just True. cuts that upfield, he's in. He, yeah. I mean, he, if he follows his blockers, he's in. But he wanted to go to the outside. Executed. It was just bad. Ex- it, 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 no, it wasn't even execution. It was literally just Ricky. There was good blocking. He had the ball in space. He just went the wrong way. Ricky should never play another down again after missing that read. I could have hit that hole. 
Like it was, <laughs> that, was that. It really was. I mean, like the way that I, I think it was shorter blocking and the way his hips were turned. I don't know why he's taking that outside. Well, I, th- I think the blockers out there yeah. looked like it was Friar Muth and Bowers, so that's why I don't. I, like I don't the play remember. Call. His, I don't remember who the blockers. I didn't like the play call because you got your I two big shorter. tight ends out there. Right. But they had him. I, I'm pretty uh, sure it was shorter. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look. Either way, it didn't work, so that, was, that sucks. That was an execution issue more than it was a play call. Like, I mean, yeah, like it's it's one of those play calls where it's like, oh, why do you call that play? But if it works, it works. It's similar. I mean, I I hate to bring this up. It's it's like it's like Ohio State fourth and five last year. Oh. On the outside, it looks like a terrible call. It's like, why do you run that? But then, really, when you look at it, you're like, well, that was actually a great play call, except our center just completely whiffed the block. It was, it was, and, our, it was our NFL guard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our guard hits the block. But if, if he hits that block, that's a touchdown. Miles Sanders is still running right now. So, like, it, yeah, it's one of, it was one of those plays. It's like, oh, wow, that looked like a terrible play call. But really, Fair Ricky enough. just missed it completely. And he. I can't wait till he transfers. Sorry if you're listening to this, Ricky. <laughs> wow. Let's let's you know we're gonna save that for some off season talk, Ricky. I, I still love you, man. Yeah. Uh, positive vibes. But uh, all right, let's do this. I think we're I think we're beating the offense to death pretty much here. Talk about play call. Talk about execution. Missed opportunities. Jahan falling at the end. KJ getting tripped up on that one long one uh, that we ended up having to settle for. If he breaks that, which he normally does, that's a touch. Oh, so oh, many yeah. missed opportunities. Um, let's do this. Closing thoughts on the offense. Where do you see what needs to change? What do you still feel good about? Pat, start it off. Um, I mean, I still feel great about KJ, Fryermuth. Uh, I feel still feel good about Jahan Dotson. And I still feel good about Sean Clifford. I think he's the quarterback of the season. He's got, you know, I think he can get better during the season. I think he'll get way better in future seasons. Um, I actually, I feel okay for the most part about Ricky Ronnie. Again, I just like the, the red zone play call has gotten yeah. better. Tony, thoughts on the offense as a whole? What's your closing thoughts there? Like Pat said, as a whole, we need to be better. I think I think we need to mix up play calls. I think we need to stop throwing fades to KJ Hamler. We have a six six receiver. Let's use him. We have a six six tight end. Let's use him. Like I, th- I think Pat Fryermuth and Justin Shorter are the only people who should be going up for these jump balls. I think we need to have like KJ. Like KJ is unguardable running a slant. Like I want to see like those kind of plays but- for him just working the inside. Um, uh, I, I think that's really it. I, I hope that this game, I know I'm very hard on Cliff. I hope that this loss is the game that like unlocks him. And now he's going to stop playing to lose the game. Um, he's going to stop playing to like, I, how do you say it? Like to not lose. Yeah. To not lose. Like, I feel like right now he's like trying to, he's trying to guide the football when he throws it. So he doesn't, he doesn't underthrow it. He doesn't overthrow it. I think he's trying to do too much. And I think, Hopefully this loss will have him out there just ready to just throw it and like whatever happens happens and, and just let your players make plays and and I, and and if and if he gets to that point where he is just gunslinging, I don't think that there will be many teams that if any that will be able to keep up with our offense. But I think right now he's holding it back and defensively, we just hopefully this is this is the punch in the face that they needed and I yeah. hope that we see new defensive backs next week. Absolutely. Brandon, closing thoughts. Uh, same Cliff. It, live, we live and die by Cliff. I mean, the drops, 23 drops, I, it's, we're in the same pace as last year, if not more. That's really annoying, and that's that's not even including the Minnesota game. But we live and die by Cliff. Cliff is coming out here, and he, I need him I need him to feel like he belongs here. Stop trying to prove yourself and just play the game of football, and that's 
you know, when he gets there, he'll get there. But I, I, I don't know if it'll happen this season. That's a good way to prove. stop trying to prove yourself. I like that. I was going to say, you started out real motivational, and then you ended with, I don't know if he'll get there. <laughs> I don't. So. I, and that's what sucks, because I've been saying that for, like, since week two. And it's You're just killing like... me. All right, Alex, closing thoughts on the offense. Yeah, I mean, what killed us this week was the turnovers. I mean, we, we just haven't been turning the ball over much at all over uh, the past, you know, eight weeks. And then this week we had three interceptions. You can't have that. Um, I, I think that Cliff... I, I do agree 100% with Brandon. I think that we live and die with Cliff. I, I think that the offensive line has been has come a long way since earlier in the season, especially oh, yeah. with that pick game. The offensive line has been killing it. You know, the running game is solid. Uh, you know, you have your weapons in KJ and and Fryermuth. Uh, you know, Dotson and Shorter, I don't know, figure it out between Danny George and Justin Shorter. One of them needs to be that, you know, Shorter. possession receiver. Uh, yeah, obviously you want it to be shorter, but you know who knows. It Danny George has been getting just, just shut up, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we live and die by Cliff. I, I think that he, I think that he can. I, I don't, I don't know. All in all, I don't think the sky is falling. We played awfully, and we only lost by five on the road to a now top ten ranked team. So the sky's not falling, but. Do we think they're going to be top five? Do you think they're going to jump? No, they're not top five, but they'll be top ten. I think that they're going to be eight. I mean, we'll be I mean, top 10. That's, what I mean. that's what I mean. You think they'll they're going to jump to top ten? Got yeah, it. they'll be top ten. They'll be they'll be number we'll eight. Jump out of top 10? What? Do you think we'll jump? We'll fall out of top ten? No, I think we'll be number nine. I think they'll be number eight. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I agree with that. Um, oh, I do have one one more thing. Um, and I don't, I don't know when the next time I'll be here, so I just want to ask. To this point, unless something, I mean, we're I think we're more than halfway through the season. Do we think right now, as of today, that KJ goes to the draft? Oh, great question. Um, Pat, kick it off. Does KJ Hamler go to the NFL draft after this season? Probably. Oh. Mm, no, too many drops. I agree. Uh, too, too many drops. I, too many drops. Deeper decisive punt returner. I, I don't know. Alex? Uh, no, I don't think he does. I don't think... And I don't think he does before before you end it, Hank. I, I don't uh, I don't think he does because one we I don't think we've seen him his as explosive in terms of the special teams. Like we said somewhere, I think in, in a chat or something in the beginning of the year, if he has like a thousand all per like in terms of like receiving and then also with special teams and like stuff like that and like and maybe like even like three hundred, four hundred like rushing yards for like sweeps, then absolutely but that him not having those numbers outside of receiving numbers plus like the drops, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's a tough call for him because being a smaller guy, obviously one more year in college is more wear and tear on his body. Um, you know, the Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown blueprint is there for a smaller, speedy guy. Um, it's it's going to be one of those tough decisions. So I think I think that's a great conversation for probably. Another couple of weeks, we'll do one of those where we, we look at all the underclassmen that can go. I mean, Yitor's got a decision to make. Too, uh, he's, right? gone. Like, he's gone. He's gone. I think gone. he's absolutely he's gone. gone. He's gone. He's 100% gone. Let me have my moment. Dude. <laughs> one more year. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of guys that, that are going to have decisions to make, and we've seen them work out really well in the past, Miles, and we've seen them work out really poorly where guys go undrafted. So, um, yeah, I think it goes either way. We'll do a whole segment on that. We'll have you guys back on. Um, but let's wrap up. We're at almost an hour 20 now, so we're going to a long episode for everyone today. Let's wrap up with a, la- a couple of last quick-hitting questions, some fun ones from our friends over at the Walk-On Red Shirt Podcast, College Football Podcast. Check them out. Um, quick hitters, Pat, we'll start with you and go down the line. Blue cheese or ranch? Ranch. I don't like blue cheese. Tony. Me out. 
Brandon. Easy. Brandon. Depends. Oh, that's a wrong answer. You're such a oh. bitch. I knew he would give that answer. Ranch. Alex, what do you got? The, answer, the correct answer is ranch. It's the only acceptable ranch, answer. Yeah. Um, next one. Who is actually the best running back on this roster? Because Brown looked good. Pat. No, Brandon, okay. what are you going to say? <laughs> what do you got, Pat? No, Kane. Tony? More complete. No, Kane. Brandon. Journey Brown. Alex. Uh, right now, Journey Brown. Yeah, it's it's interesting for me. I think I think maybe Journey Brown's the better right now. Obviously, yeah. my potential is Noah Kane. Hope yeah. he gets better. Hope he gets better. Um, how long should Chase Young be suspended for, Pat? Zero games. <laughs> Tony. Uh, one game. Brandon. Zero. Alex. Two. Yeah, I think he'll get to. It was what yeah. Oh, I, well, he's I think he'll get, I, I was gonna say I think he'll yeah. get to. I don't know if that's what he should be, but I think he will get to. He should pull what? in Nick Bosa and just shut down. He should just pull in that. Like, <sighs> he wants to play. play. I admire it. I'm good. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll wrap there. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming on. This has been this has been good. This has been therapeutic. This has been cathartic. I feel better. So obviously we have Indiana coming up. Actually, that was one of their last questions too. Does hashtag nine win Indiana scare you? No, nine wins. They have seven. Um so let's end on that, and, and that'll be kind of a sneak peek into our preview. Pat, does does Indiana scare you? Fucking okay, everything scares me right now. <laughs> Tony, Indiana, Penn State by a trillion. Brandon, uh, one one thing before we, we we sign off here, I just want to say that against KDR, Alex Ferraro couldn't throw a slant. He, had <laughs> he was trash garbage. We lost that game because of him. I'm not scared of Indiana. Alex. Uh, no, I'm not scared of Indiana, but this weekend, uh, tune in me and, uh, Mia, who also went to Indiana are doing our tequila drinking contest. So <laughs> yeah, Mia? Mia, Mia went to Indiana. Yeah. Is that going to um, be like, uh, are you going to live stream that or something for us? Uh, I, I, I'll have her. I don't have anything to live stream it on. So I'll have her. I'll have her. Yeah. What we'll is this? Out. What? What does that mean? Who can drink the uh, most? Tequila? Yeah. Mia thinks that she can drink more tequila than me. So we're having a drinking contest. Right, I'm, I'm gonna go to LA this weekend. Then you're gonna go to what? I'm gonna go see you guys. Yeah, come to LA, dude. Unbelievable. All right, we will wrap there, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. It was a ton of fun. Pat and I will be back midweek for a full Indiana preview. And as always, keep the faith, stay positive. Indiana, 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 Indiana. We are. <laughs>